Support for this podcast and the following message come from Allianz Travel Insurance. You've got big plans ahead. Protect your adventures for the next 365 days with an all-trips annual travel insurance plan. Learn more and get a quote at AllianzTravelInsurance.com. What's good, everyone? It's Jay Williams, host of The Limits, and we are in instant replay mode this week, revisiting one of my favorite conversations with the comedy duo Jesus Nice and the Kid Merrill. Now, look, they recently have been in the news because they parted ways professionally just a few weeks ago. I'm actually still in shock about the whole thing. Now, their partnership spawned nearly 300 podcast episodes. Just let me put this in context for one second. Just doing 20 or 100 is a lot. Nearly 300 is beyond incredible. And their split also means no more Showtime series. After four amazing seasons hosted by these Bodega Boys from the Bronx, I can't believe there's no more to come. But they are both still pursuing all kinds of creative and entrepreneurial projects. And Merrill recently talked about the decision being mutual and the right thing to do for right now. So we wish my boys all the luck in the world here from The Limits, and these geniuses who have smashed so many career milestones still have so much more to achieve. And one thing I'm grateful for is that I got a chance to talk to them both together just a couple of months ago in May. We got into everything from New York sports, the dating scene, and their biggest takeaways from navigating the media landscape today. So let's get to it. Here's more with Jesus Nice and the Kid Merrill. Are you just doing a podcast to become famous? Because that's not going to work. Welcome to The Limits, I'm Jay Williams. And I've been thinking for days about that gym from Jesus Nice. You see, I've done the TV game for years, but now I'm in the podcast space. It's the wild, wild west of the media. Anything goes, and it seems like every damn day there is a new podcast on the block. Over the last decade, though, I've watched Jesus and the Kid Merrill build their podcast from the floor up. And what started out as two New York-ass dudes cracking jokes on Twitter soon became a brand. On their show, trust me, nobody is safe. Damn, he lost Damn. Said, Yo, let me get the Richard Spencer. <laughs> he spent all his Dogecoin on one toupee. <laughs> Yo. He got too much money. He could get better Come hair on, than that. Dog. You see, Jesus and Mero aren't afraid to say what they're thinking at any given time and in any given space. And that's what the people love about them. Their show is aired on Complex and Viceland. Now, it's a late night talk show on Showtime. That's right. They made it. And their guests are some of the most important people in the entire world. Gentlemen. Oh, Mr. President Obama. How's it going, sir? Sir. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. My man. Now, here's the funny thing. Years before any of this, back in the day, I'm talking about back in the day, 2017, they had me on their show. And I couldn't pronounce Jesus to save my damn life. <laughs> they do. They do. It's Jesus. <laughs> they do. But I just knew they had something special in them. And they got their pulse on everything. I'm talking about from the NBA to the dating scene in New York. And of course, what it takes to make a successful pod. We're getting meta on the limits today, y'all. Here's my conversation with Jesus Nice and the Kid Mara. Congrats on all the success, man. Like, it, Thank it, you. It's crazy. Appreciate it, man. It feels like yesterday, but it was so long ago that we were rapping and y'all were just getting things going to see where you guys are now with Showtime doing late night. Yo, congrats on all the it, much love and success continued, man. How does it feel? You, man. How does it feel to you guys have always arrived, but I guess to get public acknowledgement that you have arrived? It's a wild ride. It's like it's you every now and then you gotta stop and just like take it in and just be like, yo, you realize all the work you put in and like where you're at now. And like 
even it's like little things are like tent poles to you. It's just even like the guests we're getting this season. We're getting Denzel. We're getting Pusha T. We're getting when we first started the show. You know, no offense to you, because you were around the time we started getting popping people. But before that, it was a lot of people we went to grade school with. It was the bodega owner. It was like the cat from the bodega. We were just getting whoever we could get. And now it's just like, who's in the country? It's like you have to stop on our show if you're running for politics. Like we've had Obama on, we've had Biden on. Like you're right. It's been a it's been a hell of a ride. I kind of yeah. felt like these. That was a little bit of a slight, but I felt a little like it was bit. a compliment a little bit. at the nah. same time. I well, don't you know, know how to really feel that. No, it was no. like because it's like I have a soft spot. <laughs> For the people that come on the show and don't really know the show or don't really know how to pronounce the host names. So, you know, I gotta just like work with them. Listen, I, Jay, I got you, Jay. Listen, I, I for my first That's child fair. was born and I stayed home and I was an ESPN junkie and I watched everything that you was on because I'm also a basketball junkie. So, you know what I mean? Like I was there like and and to me, like. You know, ESPN anchors were like celebrities, bro. Like, I'm in the Bronx. I'm in a two-bedroom apartment with, like, multiple children. So, like, these dudes are on they on TV. I remember getting a shout-out from one of y'all on, like, a, a live program. Like, I was just like, oh! I was bugging. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was but, actually, like, though, that was that was one of those moments when we did, like, the, the cycle at ESPN. That was like, yo. The, the car wash? Yo. That was, man, it, it was, was like, different. yo. Car wash when people, Yes. When people see you on ESPN, because that's, like, one of those things where... Your boy might not necessarily watch the show, but he's in a bar and he looks up. And he's like, yo, you on ESPN? And that's when, like, that's a sign you made it in the hood. Yo, not D, going I, to college, being on ESPN. I, I got to apologize, <laughs> D, because it, I, I can't tell you every time I see y'all and I, y'all always doing your thing, y'all everywhere. I'm like, ah, if I could just, if it's go back in time and just say, just do that differently. Just it's, do okay. That differently. <laughs> just it's okay. It's okay because you know what I mean? It's, it's like this weekend. Jay, that thing, D. It was, this weekend, I met Jay, some kids, and they were like, yo, we watch your show all the time. We get high. We just sit there. We watch it. Yo, yo, we love you, Miro. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what? I cannot t- I was, yo, to his point, I cannot tell you how many times have come up to me and been like, yo, did, yo, De Jesus, yo, I love you, B. Like, they're like, oh, he's like the Latino guy. He must be De Jesus or De Jesus like, or whatever. But I'm like, at least <laughs> they know the name. Miro. At least they know the name. They got the brand down. All right, so let's get into sports, though. So. So, what's worse, man? The Knicks not making the playoffs or the Nets getting swept by the Celtics? Ooh, Take me through. What's Take worse? me through. What's worse like, for the worse? city? I'm talking about city culture, New York City culture. Oh, what's city worse? culture? The Knicks not making the playoffs, 100%. The Knicks not making the playoffs. The Knicks are really? the... the yeah, y'all really believe that Knicks, last year was going to be it? Did you see that video from opening night after that, that, after that double overtime win against the Celtics? Do you know if the Knicks had won one playoff game, we would have burned the city down. So that was probably, that was better for the city that we didn't even sniff the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm not just, I'm not, listen, I'm not being a hater. All I'm saying is the Nets promised a lot of stuff. The Nets had t-shirts. They had scary hours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was all about the Nets. Brooklyn. And then, you know, exactly. And nobody, like people was like, yo, at least second round. The Nets said, whoa, 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 yeah. hold up. Hold up. You see the prices in Cancun? Mm. We going. So. And bro, listen, I, and I was saying it, I was saying it all over the place. I was like, yo, the Celtics are going to sage the arena with Kyrie tonight. The sweep is going to get completed. It's over. It's done. Like, it, it's it, like they, they would play with like dead eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, there was nothing there. And what, makes, like, and what makes it even worse 
Now it gives Nick fans bragging rights. And you know you don't want that. You don't you want Nick fans to You got to make the playoffs to actually no, have bragging rights. Thing. No, you don't. But Jay, though, you, don't. Jay, you, you, understand. you know what it is? It's like, say you and your boy. Say you and your boy, your boy goes to Harvard. He got like straight A's and all that stuff. Y'all apply for the same job. Neither one of y'all got it. Hey, hey. it is what it is. It is <laughs> what it is. And that's the thing. I, and, I, and I stand by this. If KD, take just take, just remember that show Wife Swap? Mm-hmm. Like where they yep. like swap families. If you swap KD and Julius Randle, Knicks are in the playoffs. 100%. With, that, mm-hmm. with those rosters. I want, like, I want Kevin and Kyrie to win. I really yeah, do. I just do. want them to stay out of their own way. And then, like, the, yes. the ben, I'm leaving the Ben Simmons thing alone because, like, the mental health aspect of it, I can't. I'm yeah. not even touching it. I know yeah. y'all probably can't. I'm leaving it alone. You I'm know what? It's one of those things where if you didn't know about it, you could possibly do jokes. But now that you know about it, you're like, all right, it's not funny anymore. Like, he's really going through something. You don't want to, like, make it worse by, like, making him the butt of the joke on the internet. But not everyone feels that way. And, yeah. you know, you got to think about, like, imagine you already dealing with mental stuff. And now when you you can't even go on social media because people are cooking you. You know, it's like that kind of thing. And that's something, like, you know, like, a lot of the older players didn't have to deal with. Like, Jordan didn't have to, like, see from people calling him Cheese Eye McGee after every mm-hmm. game. But on these players got to do that. You know what I mean? It was just on the court. You know, bro, you play for Duke. Like, Yo, the, the, every time I say some people don't like, in the world. every time I say some people don't like, they tell me I need to go hit a utility pole. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's straight up, it's harsh out here. It's harsh. But do they you guys remember. feel like do you feel like comedy is losing its place? Like, you can't tell jokes anymore. Like, I mean, I can go through the list of the names: the Dave Chappelle's, everybody. You can't just be free, open, and, and talk openly anymore. Like everything has to be criticized or scrutinized or delved deeper into. Well, I mean, that's the I culture mean, right I, now. Like everything is gonna. There's nothing you can put out right now that's not gonna get criticized. You put out a rap album, there's people gonna do a deep uh, dive on it. We've seen there's a deep dive on if the Snickers bar still has chains in it the other day. Like people are just bored and people are <laughs> Wait, gonna say criticize that again? stuff. I'm sorry, I did not hear well, you correctly. The Snickers bar. Do you know it has like the vein on it? And uh, people were saying that people were getting scared because they were saying that if you remove the vein, uh, that's where the flavor is at. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I've never yeah. once thought about saying? a Snickers bar with a with a vein. I've never nah. But, but now, but now, now, now that you're bringing it up, it makes me want to throw up in my own mouth. Now you never not I, think about I it. I will never eat another Snickers bar again. <laughs> Stop! That's you so Don't do that to me. Right after this. <laughs> but no, but see, like even that kind of thing is just like even with comedy, no you shame. can say what you can say whatever you want, but you just got to be ready for the criticism. You got to be ready to stand by what you said. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's not the best example, but like look with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Like that's a possibility that could happen from you saying a joke. So you got to be like, yo, what am I? What like how much does this joke mean to me? Like, am I is this the joke I want to say? And Am I willing to handle what happens from what I say to the joke? And I mean, that's what being a comedian is. You got to measure your risk. And then also, a lot of people that get canceled end up with Netflix shows. So, ah. <laughs> oh, that's, the, yeah, that's the wildest part to me. It's like, yo, I, like, cancel me then. Yeah, did it? Louis C.K. got canceled and just won an Emmy. So, I think that's what we need. That's the next step we got to do. We got to get canceled. So is it is it seriously like while you guys are going through your material about what you're going to riff on on your show, is it like do you kind of wait? Well, if we say this, we can probably gain more cultural currency, but 
we can also do this at the expense of some of our relationships or does this hurt us procuring other talent to bring on the show or is it kind of just like no nah, it's a free fall you know what generally it's a free for all because most people they take what we say in stride and they know it's not malicious they know we're joking because some of the jokes we make are so ridiculous like if, Mid- if Miro says you look like a buttered biscuit you can't be like yo i'm not doing their show like that's not gonna look good for you and it's like we're not like yo look at her ugly baby like that's you're not going to get That's, someone to come on for that. Man. So it's just kind of like, as long as people realize the comedy's in good nature, then, you know, that you get a lot more wiggle room with people for that. Because people yeah. be like, oh, they're just riffing or they're just joking. Or like, we have people who are just like, yo, the time you cooked me on your show, that was my favorite segment ever. I loved it. Mm. Me and my wife were in bed laughing at it. So sometimes people just, you know, like, they're just like, yo, they're, they're not like, yo, they're making jokes about me. They're like, yo, they're, they're mentioning me. Yeah. yeah. Every interview has to be different and it has to be fun. That's the, at the at the end of the day, I want you to leave the interview being like, yo, Denzel's real. Like, damn, I didn't know Denzel knew about Pepinos. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that, like little nuggets like that that you won't get anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like, you know, of course you're gonna talk about, you know, your career and this and that, but there's those, there's just like little gems in every interview where like, you know, push your talk about fatherhood. Denzel mm-hmm. talking about, you know, his youth and coming up and like, you know, all that type of stuff. That's not like, you know, boilerplate late night stuff where they just like, so what's your inspiration for doing Macbeth on Apple TV? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at, at the same time, we're fans of these people, too. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, we, we grew up on Denzel. So it's like, bro, this is this is wild. Like, yo, Denzel's here. You know what I mean? Like, Training day. we're not it's we're real. not so. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're not so. Like, yo, we made it that that somebody like Denzel is just like, oh yeah, we got Denzel tomorrow. It ain't it ain't nothing. Like, it's like you get up for that. No matter how funny and provocative they get, Jesus and Mara are very intentional with their work. After the break, they talk to me about how they put themselves out there in front of the cameras to show us their true authentic selves. And Jesus gets even realer about the horrible dating scene in New York City. Plus, we debate the best rappers in the game today. This is The Limits from NPR. I'm Jay Williams. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit teledochealth.com slash what's your why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C health slash what's your why. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. 
Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. How the hell do you continue to stay true with who you are as your life is changing? Like, I would assume the dudes I met several years ago, their lives have changed in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. Because of all the success that you guys have. So is it like, do you continue to showcase the success or do you try to keep yourself like, nah, we don't talk about those things. We talk about maybe more so what was before. I mean, it's a certain level. Yeah. Your, your success is your life now. Like there's only, like you have to talk about what's going on. And like, so the audience knows because it gets to a point where you're going to run out of stories if you're just talking about the past. So you got to like, if people want to hear People want to hear about the success. They want to hear about me and Meryl going to the VMAs. They want to hear about us riding in helicopters and stuff. And that's something that people like about our podcast is like every time we go to an event, every time we interact with a person, we're super excited because we're not even supposed to be here. We're like from the Bronx. Who knew we'd even have a TV show? So when people hear us, when they hear about us going to like a fashion show and we're describing it through our eyes, it's like we're super excited. We don't know who these people are. We don't know the rules or whatever. <laughs> and so that's the kind of thing people like. People are just like, yo, just keep elevating the brand. Keep elevating the brand because they want to hear things like that. Meryl, it's the same for you. Like just the more authentic you are, the more real it becomes and it's, it's translatable. Yeah, no, 100%. And like the, the good thing about us is that like we're – two different, we're individuals. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is doing his thing on this side, I'm doing this thing on this side, and, like, for the fan base, all bases are covered. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm here with my kids, and we're swimming in the pool or whatever, and Jesus is traveling, doing his thing. So it's just like, yo, if you like this, like, you're going to get it here. If you like this, you're going to get it here. You know what I mean? So it's just like, everything is covered. Like, the whole spectrum. Like, you know, family man, single guy, you know, like d displaying success. I display my success in a different way. You know what I mean? And it's all meant to be inspirational. It's not flexing like, yo, look at me. I'm out here. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, two dudes from the Bronx got it out the mud. You know what I mean? And look where we are now. You know what I mean? Just, mm -hmm. just staying true. Jesus, real talk. How's this single life? Talk to me. Yeah. Um, I haven't been single for a long time. I have a third kid on the way. Take me through You know it. what? Uh, Bring me back. Bring you back. It's, no, it's like, it's different when you're on TV. It's like... How? Because you meet people who know every... Mero, I'm people going who hard know, at him. I want to see if he tells me the truth. No, you meet people who know every possible fact about you. You know nothing about them. They know your sister's name. They know your nephew's age and what school he goes to. And you know absolutely nothing about this person. You don't know if this is actually them or if they have crafted a persona based on what they know that you've liked and you've expressed on the podcast. So you have no idea of who the people you are meeting are it is not fun and you can't trust any of these people you don't know what they want from you do they want to get knocked up and have a baby and take half your money do they want to get with you because they want to start a podcast do they want to get with you because they have a spec script they want you to read and push to a producer friend you know does that sound like fun also because they know you made hella money they never reach for the checks but that's neither here nor there yo my dude that was a real ass answer and i get it I mean, I was a professional athlete. It's one of the things that a lot of people don't often talk about because mm -hmm. people want, oh, just be normal. Yo, how can I be normal? What in my yeah. life is normal? Right? Like, you just breaking that down. Like, that's just a, like, I don't even know how you come to grips with, though. Like, what kind of layers do people even need to go through in order to get to know the real you? How does that work for you? I mean, you, there has to be, it takes days, it takes years of intimacy. Like I'd have to let my guard down around you because you don't know these people. And that's the whole thing in this industry. You don't really know people. And then it's just like, 
just interacting with them. And then eventually people, you know, like people reveal themselves to you and you reveal yourself to people that you can see what people want from you. And like, if you know, like that kind of thing. But I think that's just something that's not even like an industry thing. That's just kind of maybe a New York thing, a Bronx thing. That's just how we came up. Real talk, D, are you happy? Because I mean, you got all the, you got the success, you got the show, like personally, like, are you, are you happy with where you are personally? I'm very happy. I'm probably, this is probably the happiest I've ever been in my life right now. Like I'm in therapy. I've got good friends. I'm traveling. I'm eating good. Got a dope apartment. Um, got sneakers. You know what I'm saying? Like I have very, I have like all my family members are healthy. It's just about perspective. Cause if you had asked me this question maybe a year ago, I would have been like, no, I'm miserable. My life sucks. And then you got to realize like I have a job where I make jokes with my friends and I make other people laugh and I get them through their day. That's an amazing feeling. And no matter how bad you're feeling, no matter what a sucky day you're having, you can be on the street and someone be like, yo, your show got me through the pandemic. Or, yo, yo, me and my wife watch your show every night and that's all we love. And like, we love it. We never miss it. Thank you for what you're doing. They say that like we were in the armed forces. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, uh, listen, we'll take that. It, it, Meryl, it's one of the things that I struggle with sometimes because when you're on TV and you're talking about sports, you're that escape for a lot of people, right? To go to a place where they don't have to think about their jobs. They don't have to think about their significant other. They don't have to think about, you know, some of the tough things that they have to deal with in their life. But they don't think about, like, you're making them happy. You're entertaining them. But what entertains you? Like, what makes you fulfilled, man? Yo, you know what's wild? It's funny because, like, like you know, you saying, like, you had, a, you, you had a third kid on the way or you have three? I got a third kid on the way, yo. Okay, congrats. so yeah, Thank I got you, four. Man. You know what I mean? Congrats. You got four? Bless up. Yeah, I got four. I got three boys, and my, the youngest is my daughter. So, and now my That's kids are getting bad. into sports. So, like that, that gives me that gives me the ability because I remember being a, a a little kid and wanting to play little league so bad. You know what I mean? And just being like, "Yo, fam, we can't afford all this equipment, bro. A big ass, a bag with a bat and a ball and this, all this stuff. There's no budget for it." So being the having coming from that and giving my kids that and not worrying about it, not tripping, being like, yo, you want to play football, you want to play baseball, you want to play basketball, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like to me, that's super duper duper fulfilling. Like, cause it's not even for me. Like I'm just I told like I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like such a Bronx dude, bro. Like if you give me some good bud, strong Wi-Fi, a PS5 with like, you know, so, uh, extended storage, I'm chilling. Like, you know what Life I mean? Like, easy. I'm a very simple guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm a sports dude, too. I'm a sports nut. So, like, give me my Knicks. Give me my PS5. You know what I'm saying? And I'm good. But, like, all this, like, you know, the house and the the, the activities and all that stuff, it's really, it makes me happy to see, you know, what we've created together. You know what I mean? Like, my wife and I, like, and I, and I, and I remember seeing my dad watching my mom eat food like they we, we'd all be sitting eating dinner and my dad would just pause and watch my mom eat her food and i thought that was so weird you know what i mean and like later i asked him i was like why'd you do that and he was just like because it felt good for me to know that me going out there and busting my ass you know for 12 hours a day made it a it made it so that i could get your mom what she wanted to eat tonight you know what i mean Damn, that's deep. Yeah. and watching her enjoy every bite that shit hit like Right there. You know what I mean? And that's the way I feel about, you know, my kids and, and my family. My sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, you know. Mm. You guys have obviously had a wide range of artists and hip-hop people on your show. So 
D, I'll start with you first. Top five rappers in the game right now. Oh, in the game right now? In the game right now. Oh, I got to I gotta go with the watch list. You got to go with Jay. You got to go with okay. Jay off the top. Uh, I got to, I'm guilty. I got to put Pusha in there. I'm sorry. I love, I love the Coke raps. I love that right there. Yeah. Sorry, Drake still got it. Drake, every now and then, Drake will say a bar that hits a little close to your heart and you'd be like, damn. So you're a little emotional right oh, you now. You're a little emotional. emotional. Yeah, yeah, But then yeah. he'd be saying like- Brings out that soft side. He'd be saying, emo- he'd be saying like empty emotional lines like, yo, I, I flew her out here first class. She didn't even call me back. Like little things like that. You'd be like, damn, that's kind of like my life right now. Like that right there. <laughs> um, what, let me see who else. Oh, Megan Thee Stallion's killing it right now. Can't, can't go out with Megan. Let me see. For my fifth- Her interview was real too, oh, man. Yeah. It was- Great, yeah, about everything. That and happened. you know what? Let's uh, I'm gonna throw Benny the Butcher in there right there. That's my guy. Okay. But you see, I like a uh, lot of coke rap, so my, my, yeah, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> I see that. What you got, Mero? Oh man, I'm just like, like I said, I'm a sports dad. Like, I got a football player, a baseball player, and a basketball player. So we're in the car listening to hype music. So like, it's a lot of future, a lot of Young Thug. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like a lot of Twenty One Savage. I took him. I took him back to the old school, and I'm like, "Yo, listen to this, Mob Deep, Hell on Earth." Hmm? What about that? Classic, <laughs> classic. To me, to me, Prodigy is the best rapper of all time. And of course, you know what I'm saying, Bada, my guy, Big Pun. You know what I'm saying, recipes. And Fat Joe is an extension of that. You know what I mean? Because Fat Joe, Joe, to me, Fat Joe is so ill because Fat Joe was like, "Yo, five elements of hip hop, like graffiti, break dancing, you know, digging in the crates, crew to." You know what I mean? Flojo era to like, and the guy's just still around. And he's good for at least one hit a year. You know what I mean? So like, that's something to aspire to, bro. That longevity. You know what's crazy about it? During the pandemic, yo, he would just randomly hit me on IG. Like, yo, come on my IG mm-hmm. live. And I'm like, how am I in the a Joker. bottle of wine deep on an IG live with Fat Joe right now talking about, he's with, I see DJ Khalid in the back. I'm like, Khalid, I'm like, what's yo. going on? Where, where the hell am he's I? He's doing them IGs. Yeah. They're calling him, right, what were they calling him? The Bronx Oprah. Because he was doing them. Yes. Yeah, everyone Jopra, on those IGs. The Jopra show. <laughs> All right. The Jopra show, Jay. <laughs> Yo, it was, I was like, I was talking to my wife. My wife's like, are you on with? I'm like, yeah, just let me keep drinking. Let me just keep doing my thing right now. This is incredible. I'll yeah. tell you, you cracked the code. <laughs> yeah, man. Jesus and Meryl are winning right now. But let's take it back for a second. After the break, we talk about that real ass grind that nobody tells the truth about. What it's really like to get a podcast off the ground. Plus, what they learned from the early days of their career. Stick with us. This is The Limits from NPR. I'm Jay Williams. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from NPR sponsor Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com. 
Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. In their early careers, Jesus and Merle were struggling New Yorkers. They worked odd jobs, dealt with roaches, and spent way too much time online. But they were funny as hell especially when they were in each other's replies on Twitter. Soon enough, people took notice and started to follow them, and their fans wanted more. They wanted a podcast. I've been thinking a lot about what Deezus said earlier in our conversation. We're not even supposed to be here. Those were the exact words that came out of LeBron James' mouth in his 2013 NBA Finals speech. I'm LeBron James from Akron, Ohio, from the inner city. I'm not even supposed to be here. It's that constant feeling that you're the new kid on the block. It inspires a chip on your shoulder to go twice as hard. For Jesus and Merrill, it's finally paying off. Here's what they had to say about making a successful podcast and maintaining longevity in the show business. You guys obviously have the pulse of the city better than anybody else I've met and how you translate that through your content. So what kind of advice would you give out there to a young kid that comes to New York that's trying to figure out creatively like who he wants to be. How'd you guys get it off the ground? Take me through it. Mm. You gotta be yourself, man. You gotta be yourself 100% of the time, all the time. Cause if you kind of just like build up this like house of cards, like it's, you know, it's not sustainable. You know mm. what I mean? Like if you develop a persona for your podcast or for your show, for whatever it is, eventually it's gonna start to like peel away and like people are gonna start poking holes in it. So, Number one, just be you, you know? And if you, and like, yo, it's, it's, it's a hard truth, but not everybody got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you could work, you could do the, te- like wh- whatever this guy said, the 10,000 hours of practice and whatever, but there has to be talent there. You know what I mean? Like Jay, you, like you didn't just go in a gym and pick up a basketball and be like, yo, I'm going to be one of the greatest, you know what I mean? To ever do it. You know what I mean? Like you, the talent was there. And then you put in the, the 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 work hours necessary to refine that talent. But you gotta have talent to begin with. And then you gotta put the work in. You have to know the reason why you're doing it. Are you just doing a podcast to become famous? Because that's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't realize the statistics on podcasts are very similar to the statistics on small business. Something like 90% of them never get past the first episode. Because people hear a podcast. You know how many times a day people say to me, Oh, me and my best friend are gonna start a podcast. And all I say to them is good luck. Because it's a lot of work to do a podcast. And after you do that first episode and you upload it, if you're even lucky enough to know how to upload it, you did all that hard work and you get five listens, you're going to be like, this. I'm not doing an episode two. It's like you don't <laughs> have that sleeping power. You don't want to like grow your audience or, you know, or everything. You want to keep, you know, you got to grind at it. There were times we were uploading that podcast. If we hit like 5,000 listens, we was like, yo, psh, big things going on. Like little things like that. And it's, it's just like... The podcast should be fun. The po- You can't be looking at the podcast like a job. Yes, you see other people on Twitter and they're like, this podcast host just signed a $30 million Spotify deal. And you're like, boom, that's what I'm going to do. It's like, yo, that person brought something unique to the table that Spotify. Like, you don't even know what you like right now. You're coming in this for money. Like, that's never going to work well. So you got to know, like Meryl said, you got to be authentic and know why you're doing this. Not just to do it, become famous. 
But like, take me through the early days, man, with Complex and Viceland. Like, what were what were some of the challenges through the learning curves that you guys had throughout that process? Earlier days. Well, in the earlier days, like even with Complex, shout out to Complex on our guy Donnie Qua. Complex was learning how to do a video online at the same time as we were learning to do a podcast. So we were both kind of learning. So there were like limitations. Like one of the things, if you go back and look, we didn't realize that you can't keep changing the camera angles if there's a green screen behind you because that changes the rendering. You know, it changes the rendering mm-hmm. time. We didn't know that. It used to take a week to render our show. And so we never had a chance to see the show before it came out. So it was that kind of thing. Or even with like Vice, you know, just doing the show so many times a week. Just by the Thursday episode, you just burned out. You you barely got any energy. And then we our schedule was just so much. We were just doing the show. So, But it was just like, it kind of was just like uh, junior college, just getting you warmed up for the big leagues. So it was kind of a blessing to be, just have such a grueling schedule so early in our careers. So now that we're doing it once a week on Showtime, it's like, oh. This is layup because like we 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 did we did the trial by fire already. You know what I mean? We they threw us out there, and I think that's what showed that we had staying power because a lot of people would not have survived like that schedule we were put through on other channels. And we just showed up and we did incredible work. And so you know, it's just like I think that was the biggest thing people need to learn in this industry is about just showing up and doing the work. But you know what, D, you could take it to another level because it is about being accountable, showing up and doing the work. But one of the things that's been crazy for me throughout my 15 years of doing television is when that negotiation period comes, right? Uh-huh. And throughout the entire stint of your contract, ain't nobody said nothing to you, but you're doing so great. You're doing so great. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to your money, people try to undercut you. I know you guys said Viceland to a degree, you felt undervalued. What, what did that feel like going through that process? Well, I mean, the like shout out to Victor Lopez, like because he like manager, creative partner. He was the dude that said, "Listen, this is to prove that you guys can do this. This is not to sustain this pace forever because this is not sustainable. But it's to prove that you got what it takes to put in the work and to make a successful show on a on a channel that's like buried. You know what I mean? Like in in the in the cable in the in the cable guy." I mean, it's like it's like channel one sixty one or something like that. So you know, like that was that was the main thing was just showing. Listen, the, we can put in the work. We don't want to do this for twenty eight years doing a four a four day a week show, no writers whatsoever, no type of you know, just yo, you guys go. You had no writers. You were writing all right. your own stuff. I mean, yeah, to a certain point, we still work like that. It's like the yeah. whole A block is not written. That's all riff. It's not written. Top of our head. And even like the, a lot awesome. of the sketches and stuff, it's a, it's there's beats. You know what I mean? It's 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 more like a, a Kirby enthusiasm kind of style, where it's it's not like say line, Jesus line, Meryl line, Jesus line, Meryl line. You know what I mean? It's more free flowing. So you know, yeah, and that like what you were saying about the negotiations, that's something you have to learn early on in your career that. When it comes to negotiations, it's nothing personal. It's all business. And if you're a sports fan, you know that. You've seen players all year long. They got the docu- the documentary. They're highlighting them at halftime. They got the banners thanking them. And then they don't even get a callback. And then you see them like, yo, I thought they loved me. And you're like, it's like, yo, they talk like that. But at the end of the day, you are aligned on the spreadsheet. So, you know, like people... People are going to be like, you know, you kind of have to remove your feelings from that and know your worth and let your people negotiate for you. And they know the, you know, like 
shout out to your agency. They should know like how much you're worth, how much this other person is getting. Like you have to come in there with that information. So that way you don't come in there emotional. You come in there strategic. Like, yo, boom, 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 and boom. And that's why I deserve boom. Versus at the Christmas party, you said you loved me. What's going on? Like <laughs> you gotta come in there with a plan of action. Don't get in your emotional bag, right? Exactly. Don't let that bag mess up the real bag. That's facts, man. Right? Because you get slashed every single day. And I'm, just, to, I'm really, bro. from personal experience, man, I'm curious, how do you guys deal with just people slashing you? Whether that's on social media or people saying random things, does it just roll off your back or does it affect you in any way possible? I mean, for the most part, you got to avoid it as as much as you can. Like, I, I have a lot of, like, friends in the industry who just delete social media because they don't want to deal with it. But at the same time, I enjoy social media. So I'm not really trying to hop off. But it's just like... You got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's like these people are usually saying it to get your attention because like they'll be like, oh, you suck. And you'd be like, what'd you say? And they'll be like, oh, my God, I love the show. Can't believe you noticed me. That kind of, you know, you get that all the time. And it's just like, at the same time, it's like you also sometimes got to just show them that they just can't be talking to you or stupid. So every now and then you got to block somebody. You got to show people that, yo, if you approach me stupidly, if you approach me in a way you would not approach me in real life, you're going to lose that access to me on social media. So it's just kind of like a balancing thing because as long as you do that, you control your social media. You can't let social media bully you. I don't. I, I don't care. I get into. It. I get into it, bro. I, like I get into it sometimes, and then sometimes I'm like, eh, the same worth it. You know what I mean? More, lately, more so, I'm like, eh, I'm like, who cares? I don't care about you. You know what I mean? Like it's you're a troll. Like this, you're you're getting you're getting more out of this than I am. You know what I'm saying? Like if. You know, and not to feel myself, but if I'm up here and you're just like Twitter user number eight million twenty eight, <laughs> and you don't really got nothing going on, it it's in your benefit to like engage with me. Then people are gonna be the like, people are gonna start looking at your stuff. And if you're trying to use that as a tool, like you're not gonna use my head as a, a rung on the ladder. But sometimes you, I'm not even gonna block you. I'm gonna mute you so that you can just keep screaming into the void and not get the satisfaction of being like, yo, so and so block me. Because people actually put that in their bios. It's pathetic. But then sometimes, you know, they go too far. Like, they might say something about your family or about the filet of fish. And then you got to get on there and defend that square. That flavorful square available at McDonald's. Be sure during Lent you can get two for the price of one. Put a little like target sauce on the side. Like you ready to go? Hey, what is ba-da, ba-da, <laughs> Yo, real talk. You guys keep bodying because uh, what you're doing is game-changing, man. Respect and love. These are Samaro. Thank you guys so much. Yo, thank Keep you for having us on, man. Thank God. you for having us on. Come on, man. Six years ago, man, it's like that. Like Let's that. Go. Let's go. Like that. <laughs> hey, man. My guy. Damn, man. Yo, y'all y'all keep getting the bag, man. That's dope. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, bro. Likewise, my G. I see you. I see you. The Limits is produced by Devin Swartz, Mano Sundaresan, and Lena Sunsgiri. Our intern is Daniel Soto. Our executive producers are Karen Kinney, Verilyn Williams, and Yolanda Sanguen. Our senior VP of Programming and Audience Development is Anya Grumman. Music by Ramteen Arab Louie. Special thanks to Christina Hardy, Rudy Correa, and Charlotte Riggi. This message comes from Schwab. 
With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like online music and videos, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, and more. Schwab's research uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into over 40 themes to choose from. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Visit schwab.com slash thematic investing. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.